Welcome everyone to Be Better Betters. I'm the host, Spanky. Thanks for listening. My guest this week is one of the best, if not the best, college football, college basketball handicappers in the last 40 years. He has worked with some of the biggest betting syndicates around. The amazing part is he makes his numbers with just pencil and paper, and in 2022 is still winning. Please welcome Alan Boston. Alan, thanks for coming on. Not a problem. Quite the uh, intro. <laughs> no worries, buddy. Alan, Alan, you've been on, um, you know, there's books that have been written, articles and stuff. I kind of want to, you know, I, I want to touch base mostly on your time in Vegas, but I want to, you know, um, you've mentioned on others, so I don't want to really go into the whole uh, history on how you got into it, but I know you, you mentioned in the past that, the one thing that got you into gambling was reading a book called the handicapper by Robert Kalish. Can you just describe how that book kind of inspired you to become a professional handicapper? Okay. So my, my interest in uh, sports betting, my dad, my dad liked to bet. And, uh, uh, I went to uh, double headers at the plester every night, well, not every night, but when they had them at, at my college and uh, I knew what the lines were and it was very intriguing back then because, uh, there were these so-called wise guys who moved lines, but back then there was no internet. There was almost no way to even get a score. So West coast game, sometimes you didn't get the score till the next day. So my thinking is how the hell does someone in Maine know what's going on in the Wichita state Creighton game in the Midwest when you couldn't even get a score on it. So when this book called the handicapper by Robert Kalich came out, I dove in and read it. And the first two pages of the book is this, uh, what they call the wise guy back then who got this manic influx of phone calls and these phone calls were people from all over the country who were giving him information. Cause that was one of the ways you'd get it back then. And he had this whole network set up and they would feed him all the information and he would plug it into his, uh, to use a modern term, his internal database. And he would wing out the winner. And after reading those first two pages, I said, you know what? I want to be that guy someday. And, uh, Eight years later, it started in Vegas. Wow, great. I, I, it's great how a book, you know what I mean? Reading is fundamental. And just a, a book sparked an interest, and that's how you're able to do it. So let's talk it about that. Kind of like put it, it was always there, but it kind of put it over the edge. Like, uh, you know, here's a guy that uh, I, I'd, I'd want to be. And in some ways, uh, I was and, and still am, actually, because uh, no, one, no one really alive uh, does it the way I do it, like, and, and nor should they. Now, I never read the book. How, you know, do you recommend it? How great, you know, does it yeah, still... Yeah, I, uh, I think it's fantastic. I think it's a great story. I think right, the th guy is spot on. I think the guy probably was a degenerate gambler at some point. Because uh, he, 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 he got a lot of the nuance of, uh, of, of, of a gambler's mind and, and, and their conflict and, and uh, their ongoing battles. So Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. The Handicapper by Robert Kalish, if anybody's listening. So now you're in Vegas, you say eight years. So you, you wind up reading the book. Now you're starting now. Tell me the first time you're like, okay, let me now try to create and handicap games. Um, was it college football that you started with college basketball? And how was it first going early on? Did you pair up with somebody? Did somebody build a bankroll? Were you doing all your own? What exactly happened? How did it start? So I met someone at a poker tournament, uh, and we got friendly. And I, I first went to uh, play the to, to go to the World Series of Poker in 1983. 
uh, Steve Zolotow said, you're, you're coming to Las Vegas. I said, okay. And I had never been to Las Vegas and I was, you know, a 25 year old kid. So it sounded like fun. And, and in fact was, it was a great town back then. Uh, so I'd never really played poker either, but you know, I'm going to Vegas, lucky me. And I met uh, a gentleman named Jeff Starr who passed away several years ago now. And he was from Detroit and it was nicknamed Motown. And, and he, he was well known in the industry too. Uh, and we became friendly and I was like his surrogate son, the son he didn't have. And, uh, that, that's, that's kind of how this, uh, evolved. And, but we, we met, you know, once or twice a year, sometimes we both met in December and, uh, he told me, you know, why don't you come to Vegas? You know, we'll both make money. He, he had moved from Detroit to Vegas sometime in the late eighties. And I had some issues in the Boston area. It was time for me to move. And I said, okay, I'm coming. However, I didn't know what he meant by we'll make money. So that summer, I created my own college football power ratings. And if I'm being honest, I did it all wrong. I, I looked at final scores from the year before late in the year and created my power ratings strictly on those scores, which is not a very accurate way of doing it, but that's what I did. And then I bought a Sporting News uh, and adjusted all those numbers. Now, mind you, there's no book on how to bet uh, sports. There's no, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm completely winging it. And I did this at the Hyatt Regency in Cambridge over uh, an Amstel White or worse every night. Uh, so week one comes and I'm still in uh, Watertown, Mass. And I think there's eight games and I called Jeff up and I said, okay, here's what I made the eight games. The starters opens their line at six o'clock on Sunday night, which is the, the, uh, lottery and not by Shirley Jackson, but just a, an epic event that went on, uh, every Sunday night. And then every morning during college basketball, which I was, uh, feel privileged to have been a part of. And so I gave him my lines and he went on Sunday night and he's having a ball. Uh, and I remember the first bet we made was uh, Washington state plus six against Illinois. I had made it pick. And in fact, the game closed pick. And back then you, you would, you would see uh, some bigger line moves. The lines weren't as strong as they are now. So every game moved the way that I thought it would. Now, you know, a lot of this is just blind luck because, like I said, my, my approach to how I made power ratings wasn't quite right. But week two, he's all excited because we won every game, too, that week. I think we went 4-0. and And I think he, did, he didn't bet that much. He probably bet, you know, 800 a game or something. He, he, wasn't, he, was, more, he was kind of a nit. He's not a complete lunatic like I, I, I was. Uh, but week two, he's all amped up now. And now I'm in Chicago on Sunday. And I once again give him my line. And he drives over to the Stardust. And uh, it was my first time actually seeing a computer because uh, I was with a friend and we went to a, his friend's house and he was able to find the line on the starters line on his computer. This is 1989. So this guy was uh, pretty adept at, at, at working computers because uh, the Internet really wasn't much back then. Anyway, I saw that everything that that I had liked moved. So I knew that Jeff got the bets in. And once again, you know, it was a, a home run week. Uh, he was giving me, I think, 200 a game or something, something really small because he, he's not a big better. And, you know, what do I know? But by the week of the USC-UCLA game where I'm 7,200 winner, 
And by then we're betting 5,000, which is the limit at the Stardust on, on everything I liked. And, you know, he would play back middles on most of it. That's his, uh, that was his, uh, MO certainly not mine, but that was his. And, uh, well, if I'm doing this and doing this well in football and clearly my instinct was, was very, very good. You know, whatever, whatever thoughts I had, uh, were, were just understood on some level that, that I probably couldn't even, uh, verbalize, but you know, I was winging it and winging it well. So when wow. football came around, I bought a book that had college basketball power ratings when basketball came, not football. Yeah. Duh. Uh, and I copied down all those ratings. And once again, I bought sporting news, I think it was, or, or street and Smith. I bought some publication and adjusted the ratings. And that's what I've done ever since. <laughs> Nothing's changed ever since. Yeah. The process has changed somewhat. I've gotten obviously, uh, more evolved, but the game's changed and my handicapping's changed somewhat. The, the fundamentals and the instinct that I've always had is still there, obviously. But some of the thoughts that once worked uh, 30 years ago no longer work, and some of the thoughts that uh, didn't work 30 years ago are a little more relevant now. So that's it uh, 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 to be uh, succinct or maybe even a little long-winded, but or no, somewhere no, in the middle. No, it's perfect. So, so this is this is amazing. I I I love the story. Um, you partner up with a guy. Actually, not in, in, in retrospect, it's kind of weird. So, the first two weeks, you're traveling towards Las Vegas, I guess, right? You're you said your second week, you're in Chicago. You're not even there yet. Um, and the guy's betting with you. What, what week do you wind up getting there? Where you're wind up? No, seeing... I was I was there. Uh, I, he had I was I was staying at a, a, a one of his friends' houses, and I had a dog sit which turns out to be probably one of the best things. That's probably what I'm best at is watching dogs. Gotcha. But yeah, I stayed there for, you know, until I had my own money and rented my own place, which uh, didn't take that long. And uh, I, I was traveling. I think I stayed in Chicago for uh, two days and, you know, it's two days from Chicago to there. So yeah, no, uh, the first week I was in Watertown and, uh, the second week I was in Chicago and the third week I was in Vegas. So I was at the starter Sunday so, night at six. So this season, you know, the guy's betting you 200 a game, 7,200. That means you're up 36 units, which is a great, great year. You know what I mean? Who, yeah. Who it's, can't it's an obnoxious amount of money for someone who's just, you know, like I said, there was, there was no rhyme or reason for anything I did. I just dealt, I just did whatever I felt was right. Um, okay. So, so you're, you're feeling unlucky, maybe as it were. I don't know. No, you're feeling confident now. Now, when you said you, you wind up bringing the college football techniques to college basketball, um, what exactly, what parallels did you use from the way you handicapped college football to college basketball, and what were the differences? I think the uh, the one fundamental that 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 people kind of blew back then that is is readily understood now. And actually, you know, I don't even know what's understood because the computer does a lot of stuff for most people is that, you know, I, I've, I've always used a uh, golf handicap reference for this, but I'll skip that. Cause that's kind of like, I've always talked like that. If, if a team wins 50 to nothing, if a team wins a football game, 50 to nothing, it doesn't mean they're 50 points better than the other team. It means they won that game 50 to nothing. Teams typically play to a level. And what people 
overreacted to back then was, was bad losses and good wins. And a part of me understood that that team is still the same team. Maybe they just had a good day or maybe the other team just had a bad day. So back then it was very, very easy to, to pick off, uh, you know, uh, you know, betting, betting against hot teams, uh, cause they would, they would over adjust the line dramatically. Uh, but that, that fundamental must, must be a part of all handicapping and all sports. Uh, you know, I, I think it's a, I think it's a little less relevant in maybe individual sports like tennis or golf, where maybe recent form becomes a little more relevant, but in team sports, which is all I've ever done, that team is placed to a range of numbers that isn't that big. And they'll do that year in and year out if they have the same coach, because that program will recruit very similar players. The coach, the coach will, you know, will run very similar stuff year in and year out. And the team will be, you know, plus or minus two from some number and not much more than that. And that's pretty much etched in stone. So if that team all of a sudden is a three-point favorite and wins by 30, and then they're a four-point favorite and win by 25, they're still that same team. And back then they would they would adjust that team's rating a lot. And it'd be, you know, it'd be like basically free money. So so this is what I guess recency bias. A lot of people say, listen, no, no, you can't look at the last game or two. You got to look at the whole picture. And like you exactly. said, somebody it's can always have just, big pictures. Like everything in life is big pictures. And one bad game can't affect the, the way that you look at the future. Um, you know, it can't just be the do, say all end all with respect to that. So that's interesting. Now, you yeah, know, I, I mean, I could really, I could really give it. A, I remember, I, I remember I was doing the Stardust line one night and uh, it was the first week of college basketball, actually. And St. Joe's was at Boston college and St. Joe's had one starter coming back. He happened to be named Jameer Nelson. Boston college had all five starters coming back. And, you know, uh, it, it obviously with the first game of the year, the team that has everyone coming back figures to have some advantage. There hasn't been a, a ton of practice time. They haven't had enough time to put all this stuff in. So the team with everyone coming back typically has some edge. And BC went from like three to nine against St. Joe's. But Mr. Boston thought the game should be about three or four, just about what it opened, actually. And I went on the starters line and explained both sides of the fence. I explained that people would be apt to bet BC because they have everyone coming back and St. Joe's only had one player coming back. However... And here's what I talked about. And this is how deep you can go into this. A team is still just a team. Uh, for St. Joe's, that one player happened to be Jameer Nelson, who, you know, ended up having a, a, a nice uh, career in the pros. And he happened to be their point guard. And he was, you know, once in a lifetime player for St. Joe's. So, and they had Phil Martelli as the coach. So I didn't think that they would be dropping off much because four players around a Jameer Nelson on St. Joe's, the team doesn't figure to fall off much. And for Boston College, they had a run of very good years. But if you had gone back five years, this is what I talked about. If you'd gone back four or five years, Boston College played to a level that was not nearly as good as St. Joe's. So is Boston College as good as their recent three or four or five year run with everyone coming back? Or are they really just the team that they were five years ago? And is St. Joe's going to fall off the map? 
or not. And I, I, I didn't think that BC would be any better because they, they were never a great program. So I, I didn't think that even though everyone was coming back, they would improve because they had hit uh, what I thought was their, their peak level given the kind of player they recruit. Let's say they play to a 78 by my numbers. And this and BC now play to an 80 one year and then an 82 the next year and then an 83 this year. Well, now they're getting pretty outside what their range normally is, which is right around 78. So, so they played to an 83 the year prior and everyone's coming back. So you think, all right, they'll even improve on that. But I didn't think they would. I thought that that, that team had hit their limit. So I kept them 83. And St. Joe's had been, I think, 83 and a half or 84 the year before. But Jamil Nelson's coming back, so they're not going to fall off the map. And, and the program usually stayed around that number. So I think I kept them like an 83. I gave BC three for Holman, and I made the game three. And I explained that in maybe different terms than I, than I would today. And I hope that made sense. Uh, I made great sense. It's yeah, and, and, and when I say play to a 78, that's, that's just a power rating. So uh, if someone didn't understand that, so if uh, BC is, uh, uh, let's say, an 83 in my power rating and St. Joe is an 80 in my power rating, yeah. So if he's, he would be a three-point favorite or neutral, and if you give him three for home or four for home, or it was probably four for home back then, then they'd be a seven-point favorite. But to me, it was just uh, St. Joe's was maybe a smidgen better or even, and, and I only had BC a, a three or three-and-a-half-point favorite. I forget what it was, but I did bet St. Joe's plus nine, and they blew him out, actually. Uh, but I talked about how, you, you know, going back five years, you could see that BC was never a great team. That, that was the point I was trying to make. So this team could never be that much better than the team that they typically have been. That's the point I was making. You can go five years back and really look at a big picture and, 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 and figure out that this team is, is probably overrated. So that was just a, 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 I was just trying to give an example of how, how far you can take this. A team is, is basically a team basically stays who they are. So this is a great. Given the same coaching and the same type players. That's, that's, that's how I think about it. So I, I, because this is, you know, I always wondered how can somebody handicap a college when the players just keep rotating, graduating, keep changing all the time. And what you're saying is that as long as the coach remains the same, the caliber of players more or less is going to remain the same. Exactly. They recruit. Yeah, I mean, obviously these elite programs are going to recruit elite players. Mm -hmm. They know how to get the money to the right places and get the, the, the big names to come there. They know how to cheat better. That's that's kind of it in a nutshell. I mean, if I'm just being honest, yeah. uh, and everyone knows that you know this is you know there, anytime there's big money, there's evil and there's giant money in basketball. This is nothing like the game that I once watched. Not even close. The, this game's changed uh, a shit ton over the over the years, and 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 in both handicapping approach and in the game itself. But anyway, that that's for another day because we could talk for 97 hours about that. Okay, uh, but when you but, say with handicapping approach. Does the stuff you just described to me that you went on the stardust line saying does some of that, that stuff hasn't still changed. that has you, you asked me what you yeah, that has not changed and that's that's the same for every team sport as far as far as I'm concerned that's the one fundamental that you must carry through for every team sport you must understand that a team plays typically to a uh, a range of numbers that is not that big and year in and year out with the same coach and there are anomalies of course. Uh, they'll continue playing right in that range of numbers. And oh, that's perfect. almost that stone. Okay. Now what, what, what can you describe? Again, I don't want you to give the secret sauce away, but I'm saying what, would I'm not, you be, I don't care. 
because <laughs> there's a lot of aspiring handicappers listening to this, and I'm sure that well, good. Let them they're like, maybe they'll learn. I, I, yeah. I mean, and, I, and I, I listen, I'm not a handicapper, so this is fascinating to me. I love, you know, this is your thing. You know what I mean? You're an expert at this. So you tell me what hasn't changed. What would you say has changed? So since the game has changed, uh, how do I? Uh, all right. So when I first started, basketball was kids went to college and they played basketball because they loved the game. Not every kid who played basketball was an aspiring pro. Back then, kids played, athletes played football in the winter, hockey in the, uh, uh, football in the fall, hockey in the winter, and baseball in the spring. Or they played, you know, uh, uh, football in the winter, basketball in the, in the, in the, in the fall, spring and then baseball in the spring summer they would play three different sports three different letters there were no it, it, now they pick a sport and go with it everything's changed in that regard so one sport becomes a do-all end-all when i first started kids you know might choose basketball when they got to college but they weren't just basketball players so they chose basketball because they like playing that game or maybe they're a little better at it but usually it's because they love playing it a little more so there wasn't this billion-dollar TV contract. So kids who play for the love of the game are more human. When you're more human, and human beings are going to understand this, you have more emotion attached to it. When you have more emotion attached to it, some games become more important than others. Rivalries were massively important back then. Uh, Games were typically played out in very small venues. So if a big name was coming to town and they would come to your small gym a lot more often back then, the crowd would be completely crazy. And there were lo often local referees refereeing the game. And, you know, they, the home team would some, – some of these home courts were worth a, a trillion points. That's no longer the case. Uh, but that, that'll, be, that'll be the next, next thing we talk about. So the, the people play for the love of the game. And now, now that it's a big money game, these kids pick a sport – they go with it. They play 365 days a year and they become more robotic. They're more of these well-oiled machines than these human beings who play for the love of the game. And when you become a machine, you are efficient at all times. You're all in almost all the time on every game. So back in the day when I first started, numbers weren't that important to me. It was a lot more psychology. What team is going to play their home run game today? What team uh, will be flat today? And that was the main part of my handicap. The number was more of a guide. If I made a game four, but if I thought that four-point favorite was going to have their best game and I thought the other team might not, I would lay four for, for, for whatever I could bet. Now, if I have a game four and it's four, I'm not, I'm not touching it. Because the psychology... Is, is completely eliminated with all this money on the line. Every game is massively important. I mean, I figured that out in the mid two thousands when I was losing all this, all the, all these games. And, you know, about a half a million later, I said, well, <laughs> I'm doing something wrong here. And that's what I, that's what I came up with. And that's my logic as to why that the psychology behind all these games uh, went in the shitter, all these games where, you know, a team's going to be all in and, or, or, you know, like a team off a, a really big win going on the road against some shit team, you would think that they might not show up. 
But in fact, 30 years ago, they wouldn't. But now, 100%, they are showing up. And if they don't show up in the first few minutes, the coach is yanking the starters and putting someone on who will try. There were so many upsets back then and predictable upsets that, you know, it was, it was just a whole different world. Now it's you have to assume every team is all in every single game because they are because that billion dollar TV contract and these coaches making millions and millions of dollars. Uh, and now kids actually with a chance to make money, which is really disgusting. Uh, it, the game's changed quite a bit. And, and part two to this is back then basketball players in the gym were not did, did not res- the gym did not resonate. It was not a big deal for a basketball player to go to, to go to, to go work out. Uh, they were often tall and skinny. And in fact, they were sometimes uh, 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 chastised working out. No, you got to, you know, you got to kill your, kill your game. So obviously that's changed. These uh, basketball players are, are extremely fit and extremely strong for the most part. And because of that, Back then, if a team uh, maybe was a little shorthanded, maybe played triple overtime and then had to uh, go on some tough travel two days later, they wouldn't have a lot of energy for that game. And again, this is all very predictable. But again, teams play nine games in 19 days now and, and have no problem doing it. And the reason I believe for that is, is once again, they play 365 days a year. These AAU tournaments they play when they're in high school uh, I watched a team play uh, nine games in five days in Vegas to, uh, in a tournament. So it's nothing for them to play three games in five days or three days in a row and then go on the road uh, to altitude and play someone else two days later. It means nothing. But 30 years ago, it meant everything because they weren't as fit as they are now. The gym did not matter back then. The game was not the do-all, end-all. But now every minute on that court is. Okay, so let me summarize that. Let me summarize what you just said. Go. Half court advantage, not as big. Psychology, not as big. A rough schedule is not as big. So these three things right here that used to be very big in your handicapping, those three things are no longer as big because these kids are so conditioned and there's so much money involved and they're ready exactly. to play all the time. Okay. That's my theory. That's my theory as to why the what I called energy games don't work and what I called psychology games don't work. And it was about... I was having a real rough stretch of it about uh, six, seven years ago. And I noticed that I was betting all home teams. So I, I said, you know what? Because of the other things I talked about where there's such big money involved and these kids are so used to playing all the time and, and the game is so much more in the open and so much more in TV, there's no more local referees. Everyone's hired from, from the NCAA. And, and, you know, the home teams would get a lot of calls uh, back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. So it, was, it was, you know, sometimes it was, it was ridiculous. Uh, you know, the, the good old boy type stuff. Yeah. But now with everything out in the open and, and everything on TV and, and, and these kids being so used to playing all these games all the time and all these different venues, you know, if someone's screaming some obscenity at you, it's not going to bother you anymore. It doesn't phase you. It's, it's just uh, you're used to it. You're used to fans screaming at the top of their lungs and it, it doesn't affect you. Okay, so, so you just, you I, just lowered described- my, I lowered my home court ratings by from four to two and a half in some instances. Okay, uh, and and that was really hard. I mean, I you know I've been doing this for all these years, and and I thought four was about right for home court, but it's not. It's not close anymore. It's you know it's between two and three. So 
But I did make that change, and that that did that did get me back in in line with everything. And again, I just noticed that I was betting a lot of home teams and and losing. So that that made sense as to what I was doing wrong. So so you just described things that were that used to be big in your handicapping, but that are not as big. Is there something that you could kind of deal give us that wasn't as big, or you never really factored in back then, but you factor in today? So. Pretty much now, I, I'll tell you what I, I uh, not really. I, I now it's all a number. Uh, there's really nothing else. There is no psychology. There is no a team's going to be worn out. That's all out the window. Yeah. I pretty much toss that. So I pretty much make a number now, and that's it. That's it. It's and just if a I, you know, if it's off my number, I'm not. Now, what I what I I'll add part B to that is there is a part of me that. So, for instance, I'm looking. I'm just looking at the screen yesterday, and I'm saying, "Wow, Ohio State nine and a half over Nebraska. That's pretty fucking high." So there was a part of me that thought that game was just too high, and part of that might have been because Nebraska has been absolutely terrible. The last time they played a a, a Big Ten game at home, they were bludgeoned by Michigan. So you just knew, you know, that that part of me that remembers those games where teams were just all in. Uh, I think that part of me knew Nebraska was going to have, you know a complete all-in effort and Ohio state have been off a while and maybe they weren't going to have their best. So there was a subconscious part of my thing that I just guessed at what it was trying to tell me why I like Nebraska, why I like Nebraska, my gut like Nebraska that in the old days, I would, I've just bet, I would just bet Nebraska because my gut told me to, I don't have, I don't have as much faith in that anymore because I'm so number driven now. And my number on that game was nine, by the way. So I, obviously I had no interest in betting it that I wish, and this is an actually, this is actually a pretty good topic to get into. I wish that I had enough faith in that subconscious part of me to just trust it. Cause when my gut starts talking to me and, and, and I'm, it's talking on a subconscious level, right? I'm just guessing as to why I feel. And I use the word feel cause that's all it is. I felt the line was too high but I'm so numbers driven. The game was nine. I passed, but like, uh, you know, I, I'm just, I, what I, what I described as to why I, what my gut I think was telling me, uh, I wish I could trust that because your, your gut, your subconscious, your instinct is just taking memories or parallel situations from years and years and years ago and telling you this has worked before. So my instinct knew the line was too high, but I really couldn't verbalize it. So I couldn't bet it. And that's the one part of my game that I used to have no problem when I was much younger and much more uh, carefree and, and, and didn't give a fuck if I had a dollar in my pocket or not, you know, I would just go with it. Any feeling I had, I would, I might unload on it if I felt very strongly about it. And if I could ever verbalize why I thought, my instinct was telling me to do something, I would unload on it. That I don't do anymore either. But that is the one thing I'd like to change. I wish I could trust that that subconscious part of me when it talks to me. But but, but you again, just I hope that made sense. Like there's no, no, no it, it made a lot of sense. It made a lot of sense. Yeah, okay, there's, no, there's no substitution for experience and you have it. 
And however, you know, you just you just told me it's all about the number at this point. So right, that's it. But, so, but so I wish we, it wasn't. I wish there was a. I wish I could trust that part of me that's not about the number. But you know what though? What what could that? If you can't figure out a reason to do it, like it can't be home court, it can't be psychology, it can't be a rough schedule. What could it be that's telling you in your subconscious mind? why you should bet you that team with the it's number. It's subconscious. That's the problem. Your subconscious, you often can't verbalize. I did just come up with the reasons why. I mean, I, 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 my, my, my gut had told me that this was going to be, as much as that doesn't work anymore, there's still, there's still a part of me that, that logically thinks, well, you know, Ohio State hasn't played for a while and Nebraska is, you know, has not won a conference game yet. And, you know, they're going to be completely all in this game. Like, this is their game. And that's, that's what pretty much what my gut was probably telling me, because that used to be a major part of my handicap 25, 30 years ago. I, I bet a trillion dollars on, on a situation like that, where I just knew Ohio state might not have their best game and Nebraska would. And that's pretty much what my gut was telling me. I just couldn't come up with it yesterday. Like I just like I did just now. <laughs> gotcha. I wish I'd come up with these rears yesterday. Cause I would have bet the stupid game. Understood. And then split at the overtime. So it really would have been fun. <laughs> Okay, so this is this is so. Let, let, I want to talk about. In the past, you, you've been saying that you you would watch a ticker because this this to me is just absolutely fascinating. Oh yeah, all right. You we'll would watch a, here. You would watch a ticker update every five minutes, and you would see how the game played out. This is before you could see play by play data or anything like that. And again, this is all pencil and paper. So it's you know if, if a team was up by thirty points and wind up winning by ten. That's a lot different than it's a lot stronger than if the team was tied the whole game and they wind up winning by 10. Well, you've, um, heard, you've heard, listen to my, you have listened to my interviews before. I have. No, I have. Yeah. Yes. So I, I, I want to. Well, all right. So here I am. I'm in Las Vegas. I, yeah. I, I don't know what I'm doing. Right. I, I've told I've mentioned that I am completely winging this. Like I'm some kid who, who liked to do coke and like to drink and didn't have a dollar in his pocket. And is just living the life, man. Like I'm uh you know, I was actually 35, not 25. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm a little older now. I'm, 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 you know, I'm past 30, but I'm still a kid. You know, I, and in some ways I still am just a kid. But, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't think people would actually argue that. Uh, but, you know, that, that, that people talk about that, that carefree youth, the, uh, the, the no fear. I was fearless. I, I didn't give a shit if I had my whole, whole bankroll on the line on a game if I liked it. Like, I would never do that now. I don't, I don't have, I don't have nearly the confidence I once had. I think I'm better at what I do now than I was 30 years ago, but I probably, I, I wish I had some of that, that, uh, that I don't give a fuck attitude, but on to the sports ticker. So I'm out there completely winging it. So what am I going to do? So I would bring my books to the Stardust Three ring binders, the same things I use now, by the way. And by the way, I kept track of all the teams back then. I was one of the few that did. Because they only booked, uh, when I first started, they only booked like 80 to 100 teams. They only booked the very big conferences because you couldn't get scores on these games. It was really, it was like the dark ages. Uh, the world has gone uh, haywire and, and it's going way too fast, but that that's for another show. Uh but picture this, you can't get a score. So what do I do? Well, let me go watch a ticker. I'll get scores. And by watching that ticker, you know, what you just described, and, and the way I like to talk about it is, uh, you know, 
a game, two games, team A plays team B and team C plays team D. Uh, team B wins 84-82 and team D beats team C 84-82. But team B was up 24 at the half and team D was tied at the half. And again, it was the same final score, but a different path to get there. And the team that was up 22 obviously was more impressive. And I would watch this sports ticker. And I have a good mind. I won't, I won't argue that, that I'm probably pretty smart. And I, would, I could remember every score. So every single update on every single game was in my mind. So I had this internal tracker going on where I knew how every single game played out. Now, remember, it was a lot more psychology and a lot more who's going to play the big game and, and uh, you know, uh, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But I figured out all these nuances based on how the game played out. The obvious one, you know, the teams that had 30 and wins by four, that's obvious. But there were other things like, so let me try one more example here to see how I could, you know, take inferences from, from a uh, sports ticker. So team A is playing team B and they're getting 10 points. And the scores come in and it's eight to six after five minutes and 22 to 20 after 10 minutes and 34, 29 after 15 minutes. And it's 38, 35 at the half. The favorites winning. The favorites winning at all times. Now, the second half starts, and the game is 42 all at the 15-minute mark. And now, at the 10 at the at the 10-minute mark, the favorite gets ahead 60 to 50. So it's right on the number. On a game that's been a war, it's now they're up 10. But at the five-minute mark, the score is now 68-66, and this team has made another run at them and got within two. The final comes across 74, uh, 84, 71. So the favorite wins by 13. But that little run from the 10 minute mark to the five minute mark where the team got down 10 as a 10 point dog and then got back and right, right back into the game, got within two. I would take that as a humongous effort. Like that is just it. Like that team had every reason to get blown out, right? They're a 10 point dog. They played them tough for, most of the game, and now it's gotten away to 10 with 10 minutes to go in the game, yet they had the wherewithal. They had enough character. They had, they're good enough to get that game down to two with five minutes to go. And then they finally cracked at the end. But let's say that team, who was the 10-point underdog, and, and, teams, and, and, and most people are just going to see this final that they won by 13 and think nothing of it. They're a 10-point favorite. They won by 13. Nothing happened. But because I've watched every update – I know that actually the underdog in that game was clearly the right side. And in fact, if they played, let's say they play a team that's maybe not quite as good as that team they played that they were getting 10 on the, on the, on the, on the road from uh, now they're at home. And let's say they're getting four from a team. That's not as good as the team they were getting 10 from. Even if they were getting three, let's say we can even go there. Because home courts were worth, you know, maybe around four points back then. So in theory, they should be getting two if the team's comparable, right? Because uh, they're getting 10 on the road, so it'll be six on a neutral, and they're getting two at home because it's four points for home. So it's just eight points different. But now they're getting three from a team that's not as good as that team they were getting 10 from on the road. So there's value there already. But I know that this team is undervalued by the line because of that run they made from the 10-minute mark to the five-minute mark in the second half. This team didn't break against a, a much better against a better team 
on the road. They didn't break until there was less than five minutes to go in the game. So if they didn't crack until late in the game, if they can carry that effort off at home in front of a, you know, a pretty crazy crowd because they're a dog at home, then they're going to win. And it was like printing money. Uh, you know, the, the little things like that, that seemed pretty innocuous were the do all end all to me. Okay. Th this is great. I, so th this is back then where there wasn't play by play data readily available. Nothing. You're watching you couldn't read anything. Now, do you use like today, you, you, you know, with, with the right, technology and i know you don't use any of that stuff are you watching I don't ticker? Use any technology. are you watching Zero. tickers at all right now do you watch tickers anymore yes i'm watching uh, alabama state lead mississippi valley 32 18 which is a good score for me by the way okay but okay so this is this is this is incredible because if you uh, i'm again I, i'm just speaking uh, no dog in a fight but I, I obviously i'm rooting for you i want you to win but while you're watching these tickers if you pair it up because like, i'm just trying to just again thinking out loud you can get this play-by-play -play data, and you don't have to actually watch That's the ticker. That's Ed Sheeran, isn't it? What was that? That's Ed Sheeran, right? What Go ahead, mean? nothing. Some, someone will get that. Uh, uh, I think uh, you wrote a song called Thinking Out Loud. Go oh, Thinking Out Loud, yeah, yeah, Okay, gotcha. Um, yeah. What, I, what I'm saying is, is Sorry, that if, I can't you, help myself. if you parse the play-by-play -play data, can't you then – you don't have to watch all these tickers. You could find out this edge that you're talking about – and you could actually just have a computer run it and spit it out for you. I, how wouldn't, I wouldn't have any idea how to do it. And I wouldn't trust it. So <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So I, I you know, I, what, what's made it, what's made this trickier for me now is, is uh, if you want to talk about what, what, what's, what, what, what I'm, what I'm up against now and why it's, it's a little harder for me. So even though I'm a better handicapper, uh, you know, I think I'm a little more disciplined, uh, and maybe, maybe too disciplined. Maybe I'm, I'm still a complete lunatic. I don't, I don't care if I go broke like in one night, but uh, in fact, I'm very good at that. But the, the, uh, so, you know, I don't want to, I don't want some, everyone to think I'm some uh, dinosaur because as, so what happened with basketball, by the way, how, how I got into pretty big action it wasn't from getting $200 a game. So my friend, my, my friend Howard, uh, got together with, with, uh, my friend Jeff, who got me to Vegas, him and I, uh, he, he, him and I didn't quite, uh, get along as well as maybe we could have. Uh, and, and, and it's irrelevant why, uh, we, we remained friends right, right up until the day he passed away. So it, it was nothing. It just, he was a real nit. And I like to gamble and it just wasn't a good match. It was like, uh, you know, water and oil. Uh, but his friend, Billy, who he introduced me to, uh, we started betting three ways and then eventually it was just Billy and I, and then my friend Howard approached Billy and he said, you know, and I'm still just a kid and I'm like, I'm a broke kid, you know, uh, but I like to gamble. That's, that was my uh, way of, of, of dealing with everyday existence. I, lost myself in sports betting. Uh, so it didn't matter if I won or lost. It was just having to sweat. That was the, the big thing. And that will be talked about on California Split Night, which we'll get into later. Uh, but he told Billy, you know, this and I, and I had done some football uh, work with Howard. And uh, he said, Billy, let's put up 150000 each. Alan will do the handicapping. And, 
you know, you guys will do the betting and we'll split it three ways. And of course, I'm not going to argue with that. Like, you know, I'm a broke kid and that's a shit ton of money. That's This is back in 1991, I think, or 92. Somewhere around then, 92, 93. I don't know. Somewhere around there is when we started this uh, three-way partnership. And we won 300000 the first year, 100000 each. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> for a broke kid who was raised in, in you know, not, not, in, not in, uh, you know, uh, my family wasn't wealthy. I'll say it that way. Uh, that's like a shit ton of money. Like if you're broke and now you got a hundred thousand dollars, like, and this is what a hundred thousand dollars was worth way more than it is now. Uh, you're in hog heaven. So that, that was uh, the start of it. And, and by the way, year, year two, I told him screw it. You're not putting up any money. I got my hundred thousand. I'm putting that up. And I did because I, I was working for Mr. Walters at the time with football. So I was making money there. So I was able to take the hundred thousand for basketball and just ride it out the next year. And we went three way partners where I put my own money up because it's no fun being staked. Uh, and we, we had, we made a lot of money. I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> like a lot. Okay, so and, I, I, uh, I want to get into that relationship now. So you, Howard Letterer, the famous poker player, um, winds up, you, you wind up doing college basketball with him. He stakes you, you wind up making some money. Now, Explain, explain how, you know, you wind up getting, uh, Billy Walters getting in touch with you, actually. How did that all happen? And, um, and you know what? what? I don't even know how he knew. I, I, I was, uh, so I'm in Vegas and, and, uh, you know, Jeff and I weren't really talking and I was living in my own place and kind of scuffling around is what is the term they would use. And, you know, I'd make a bet here and there, but you know, I was just trying to pay the rent and, uh, Howard said, you doing any football this year? I said, no, but I can. And, you know, he offered me a little bit on each game. They were, they were putting together some organization. And, uh, and once again, you know, I was crushing it. And they were going out on Monday and destroying the market. And I got a call one day. Uh, this is like 92-ish, 92. This is 91 or 92, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, yeah, somewhere around there, 91, 92. I was living in the Green Valley, so it had to be 91 or 92. Gotcha. And uh, I got a call one day. Uh, hey, Red, Mr. Walt, Billy Walters here. I said, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I, had talk, I had met him once, and it, it didn't go great. So he said, I think I got something good for you. You know, you want to meet at the country club? I said, I'm not a country club guy, Mr. Walters. And he said, well, where do you want to meet then? I says, Ellis Island. Now, Ellis Island was the sleaziest bar I could come up with where I used to get, I used to go drinking with a friend, Marty Siegel. Uh, we'd get drunk there on, on occasion. And it was an absolute shithole. Still but, is. You know, he wants to go to the, he wants to go to the country club. I don't like the guy. So I'm, 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 you know, screw him. We're going to go to Ellis Island. Try to make him a little uncomfortable. Gotcha. So I go and meet him and he tells me, you know, Here's why you should work with me. And I said, well, here's why I'm not, I shouldn't work with you. I said, you're a condescending asshole. That's what I told him. <laughs> I, said, I, respect, I respect your honesty, Red. Uh, and I, and, you know, he talked and it wasn't that unfriendly the rest of the way, but I had to get that out. I, I didn't appreciate his, you know, being a little standoffish or, or whatever, you know, but that's exactly what I said. You're a condescending asshole. 
And he said, I respect your honesty. He didn't flinch, right? He's, he's the best. <laughs> uh, he is the best. He is. He's awesome. Uh, I would not use those words now. I, I love the guy. But uh, so I told him I get back to him because, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm working for Howard. Now, did he want you and, to work you know, for him for college football, college basketball, both? What was well, the- I mean, I'm not working for him yet. I'm still with yeah. Howard and Z, you know, getting my $500 on a game. Gotcha. But in the interim, I, I call my friend Oscar, who, who was my best friend, who's, again, no longer with us. Uh, we were like two peas in a pod. We didn't, you know, we just wanted to make our bets and uh, bet as high as we could. And and then, you know, know no, as few people as possible. So he was not, he, he told me, well, tell him you want 20000 a game. I said, excuse me? And he was dead serious. I said, how the fuck can I ask him for 20000 a game? Are you, are you kidding me? Like, I don't have $20 in my pocket. I'm not asking for 20000 a game. He says, well, you're an idiot then. He said, I hate your fucking guts. Don't talk to me. You, you, you deserve 20000 a game. I said, okay. I did listen to him because I did call him back. And I said, all right, let's meet at the Sterling Brunch, which was the original gourmet brunch in Las Vegas. It was at Bally's. Uh, and... Uh, Alorio was the maitre d', and that's back when maitre d's in Vegas were were it. They were they made you feel like you know king. Uh, I never said goodbye to Alorio either. Fuck. Anyway, he was the the maitre d' at this amazing brunch that uh, was like seventy dollars in nineteen ninety two. And you know they they poured expensive champagne, fresh squeezed orange juice, they brewed coffee at your table, they carved rack of lamb or whatever other hundred and fifty thousand items they had there. They were all delicious. Uh, and I told he was with he was with his wife Susan and. Uh, I said, uh, well, here's what I want. And I had listened to Oscar. I mean, I, I you know, I, I never would have dreamed of asking for much, but I said, I'll take uh, 12000 in salary because I do open a couple people up and they pay me. And by opening people up is me and I suggest a line to bookmakers that they should open, which is worth a lot to them. And, they, you know, they would pay me for that. And, you know, because I'd have to stop doing that. And I'll take 12000 a game. And he said, what about 10? I said, I'm not negotiating. And he said, okay, we got a deal. Now, of wow, course, I'm, I'm, I'm completely out of line here because I didn't ask Howard, you know, do you want to give me 12000 a game? Because I was getting 500 a game from them. It didn't seem like that would something they'd go for. But I should have asked before I just went and did this. I was, I was wrong. And, he, and then, uh, you know, uh, sorry, Howard, I'm done. <laughs> did Howard try to get you back? Did he see what happened? No, but, but we, we – he ended up working with Mr. Walters and, and so he, he had access to what I was doing at some point. Uh, but that, that's, that's really not relevant to the story. No, we, we remained friends. And, and in fact, he, he, you know, he asked me to work at full tilt when they, when they started that. And anyway, that, that, that's not really irrelevant here. Uh, it was just kind of a, a cute story that, uh, you know, I remember I'm up in Maine. I went to Maine every summer, old Orchard beach, Maine. And my mother's up to visit me. And I think I have, I think I had like $20 in my pocket. Because I, 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 you know, when I got to Vegas, I had the twelve thousand that Mr. Walter was going to pay me waiting. But I was up in Maine, and we didn't have PayPal's back then, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I remember there was there was three games on television at the same time, which was kind of unusual back then. There weren't there weren't every game wasn't televised. It was you know it was like kind of a game of the week on each network. And I thought to myself, I got twelve thousand in all three of these games that are going right now, <laughs> and I have twenty dollars in my pocket. I said, what a what a life this is. 
Amazing. Literally didn't have a pot to piss in, but I had $12,000 on three games. Like, this is like nuts. And the first year, I think I was at 75000 and we went into the New Year's Day Bowl games. We got swept. And I remember Mr. Walters called me and, you know, tried to console me a little bit and told me some story that, you know, when he, when he you know, he, he, got, he, he blew all his money playing blackjack. And, you know, he, he tried to calm me down. He said, you know, you're going to make a lot of money, Red. Don't worry about it. And, you know, we'll be all right. And for 15 years, I, I did college football with him. There was one year we did college basketball. I did very, very well, but we, we, uh, we, we sort of had a misunderstanding as to how, how it all played out and we finished the year out. I mean, he's, he's always, uh, honorable and, and, and really is a gentleman. Uh, I, I, I had a bad read to start and he's been, uh, nothing but great to me. Like, yeah, from day one to now, like, He's uh, he's awesome. So but, you worked you worked fifteen years with him, twelve thousand a game. Did it ever go up? No, that it, was the deal we made. No, that's that was it. The I'm deal, and that's cool. it. We made a deal. That's it. There's no reason to raise it. And what am I, I getting greedy? It's, like, exactly. how much fucking money do I need in the game? Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like I was uh, but you know, I started doing pretty good in college basketball. So you know, the twelve thousand a game was almost like uh, popcorn at some point. I mean, it really, it really did get that good. Like we, we bet obnoxious amounts of money. They, they weren't quite accurate in the odds, but that's what I wanted. You know, that's what I, I, I wasn't going to let him tell the world what we're actually betting on some of this shit. But why, why uh, did you only do one year of college basketball with him? Because uh, it, we made a deal, but it was, it was a complete misunderstanding as to how, how it was going to play out. And I don't want to say any more than that. It was, it was fair enough. He was giving, he was giving me way too much, but he thought, he thought that I was bankrolling myself. I think. It was it was something along those lines. I so, was I was giving me way way too much, but I so, did crush it. So it, it was irrelevant, really. But he was giving up too much. He could he probably couldn't give me that much uh, of a free roll. When, when even, you even though it's like you know bankrolling me in basketball, I'm not bragging, but it's really not that much risk because I do figure to win. Of course. Now yeah. in we're, we're, in basketball though, so you had him bankrolling your college football. In basketball, did anybody bankroll your college basketball, or you were just betting no, I was, your own? I was or? doing my own thing at this point. I, I was doing my own thing the second year that we had that three-way partnership. Gotcha. We won a hundred thousand each the first year. I put that money up the second year, and you know we we won we you know we we won every year, so it was it was not a problem. And we you were still working with Howard those all that whole time. For the college well, Howard, had, Howard, Howard did nothing. He just had a third of the action. Gotcha. Which he so, deserved. I mean, he was he was the instigator, so he deserves a third. Eventually, now, we did. Eventually, when the market shrunk a little bit and we were struggling to get down, we lost some outs. We did. We did cut him out at at, at midseason. But uh, you know, Billy and I worked worked together for quite some time after that until uh, my life went in the shitter when. Uh, I went to sell a house uh, that that we had one year. I won so much money. I, I had to, I had to do something with it. Like I, I know, cause I knew I'd piss it away. Like there was no amount of money I couldn't spend. I remember one year I had a good week in basketball and bought a Ferrari online. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> no, I'm, not just... uh, I'm not one that has some, uh, 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 what are they called? Uh, the, I don't have any, uh, funds or, uh, Retirement plans, like I'm not saving money. Yeah, you're I'm not, the complete uh, opposite. Of I'm not Nick. putting this planet to 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 accumulate money. Like, what the fuck good is that? If you can't spend it, what good is it? Okay, so, uh, I, 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 well, one second, Alan. I just want to I, I want to break down because a lot of people. I want to kind of break down how a syndicate works and how everything. So, 
you know, you would handicap the games. You would give Billy all, you know, uh, uh, your numbers. And how off like, would you just tell him, listen, I want to bet this, this, and this? Or would you just give him your raw numbers? What did you, or, or, or you know, whoever it was, what, what did you, and, you know, he would give you 12000 on the opening line, on the current line. How did that work exactly? I want to get into a little bit deep into that dynamic. I would, uh, the line would come out on Sunday night and I would, put it together as quickly as I could. And I'd fax him my order based on the numbers that were there Sunday night. And I would bet like 2000 or 12,000, but you know, I'd, I'd vary the bets depending on how strong I liked it. When Saturday came, he would call me. And part of the good, the good deal I had here is if he was betting the other side of it, he wouldn't bet it for me. And then he'd give me a choice of betting it at a better line. So I really had, you know, I had way the best of this. Like if he was laying three, I wanted to take like three, three and a half in a game and he'd knock it down to three and then he'd lay three. Uh, he would say, I'm on the other side, Red. You know, do you want plus six? And I would say, no, thank you. You know, I, I, I would never, you know, you always want to take one for the team. I don't want to bet against what he's betting. Like I'd be stupid too anyway. I mean, you know, his, his guy was really good. Like who the fuck am I to, to tackle, you know, take on his guy? So that's amazing. Uh, I, 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 wouldn't I wouldn't basketball all the time, but not in football. Okay, uh, so his guy was really good. You said how many guys did he have? He had where... one main guy. He had one main guy, and I don't know how many other guys he had, but he would he would always be willing to try people. I know that, and I know people that actually won with him that he didn't think were any good. And gotcha. and he would say, "All right, you know, here's your money. Thank you." Uh, but but he never he never tossed me. In fact, he he. He told me, which is a pretty big compliment, that I, I, you know, my stuff was the most in line with his computer guys of anyone that he's ever worked with, besides, you know, his computer guys. So Amazing. that's a pretty big compliment. Huge. And in fact, Huge. I, 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 I quit him. He didn't quit me. So I want to, I want to get to that before we get to that, though. So, so that, that that's another amazing thing. But so I, I would fax him a line, and we go over the games on Saturday very quickly. You know, here's what I got you read. Here's what I got you read. I'm, I'm on this side. You want, you want more? And I'd say yes. I'm against this side. You want to scratch it? Yes. And, and I'd write it down. And then at the end of the year, he'd pay me my money. <laughs> Absolutely. And he did pay me every year. So that, that was a good thing. Now. So Billy, so, so Billy, he would surround himself with sharp guys, just like yourself. He would surround himself with sharp handicappers. I don't know. I, I don't know exactly what he did. So I, I'd be unfair to, to tell you, but understood, uh, understood. Yeah. But, but, but I think a big thing is getting down. He was an expert at getting down because getting really? down is, is the most important thing. Like, you know what I mean? There, there's nothing you can have the best handicapper in the world. What's good it is if you can't, if you can't bet the stuff. So he well, was what really, he, what he did, what he did that, that he understood immediately that he was going to dry up his own market because if he would lay two, the game would go to six or seven. Mm. And he understood very quickly that this was not long term. It wasn't yeah. going to work. He was going to run out of bookmakers because the games won at such a high rate that people just followed it and followed it and followed. It and there was no buyback. So if he bet a game, these bookmakers would just completely overrun with it. There was no getting off it. And he wanted a high rate, so bookmakers were getting crushed. But he is he is brilliant. He's uh, very, very, very smart. Yeah. This is not sustainable, so I have to do something. And now that's when all the – he would bet a lot of sides that he didn't like. Gotcha. That's the beautiful thing. And he would but, do it, you know, 80 different ways. And, yeah. you know, I think most – I think people that move for him just – 
you know, had some sort of free roll. I think that's what they did. And, you know, so if they wanted to go bet on their own, they were doing it at their own risk. And, you know, he was brilliant at hiding what he was doing. So like all these Johnny come lately's all these Twitter guys who say, I move the line and I bet and always beat the closing line. They're all full of shit Yeah. because if you're a, a better, if you're a guy who knows what he's doing, you want to, you don't want, you don't want to beat the closing line. You want to hide everything you're doing. Of course. You don't want the screen to blow up when you're back. Of course. Of course. My buddy Fats told me that Billy Walters is, you know, if you ever ask what was his percentage um, win rate and people, you know, and the joke was it was always 100% because every game that moved that, that, um, that, that he won was he was on. But every, whenever the move didn't hold up, nah, Billy wasn't on that. That was a fake. So it was, uh, so he would never lose. Like, you know what I mean? That was kind of like the myth, the aura yeah. about it, that there was no losses. It was just always a win. And very true. And, and, and that's his thing. Like he was the master at, at manipulation and getting down and knowing that he just can't, he has to put out some phonies out there for longevity purposes. Right. Uh, but he, um, he, at one time he didn't do that, but then he figured it out. Like one day he called me, I said, Hey, Mr. Walter, what's going on? He said, well, Red, I just bet both sides of every game. <laughs> that's fucking great. That, that's, is that's, that was his quote. I said, okay, that makes sense. I mean, I understood. <laughs> He could create his own middles um, because well, of his... That wasn't the point, though. The point was no, to try course. to keep people off his back, right? Absolutely. The point, the point was to keep people off his back and keep bookmakers in business. Yes. And, you know, he was fantastic at it. Amazing. In basketball, okay. he, couldn't, he couldn't quite hide it, but, but basketball games, you know, the, the half points and points are worth a lot more in basketball. You know, a game's not going to go from two to... A game can go to two to seven in football, and it wouldn't, you know, it almost wouldn't matter, but... A game's not going from two to seven in basketball. Like you, you, you never have that much the best of it. Yeah. Uh, okay, but before we get to how you quit, Billy, I want to talk about getting down in basketball now. When you were getting down, okay, you, you said you were the one who was betting. You put up your own money. You were doing a basketball thing. How were you able to get down? Or to uh, so, uh, we, We'd run around town in Vegas. Vegas, uh, there was a million places that took big bets. Gotcha. Also, I had, uh, I had a private guy that I opened up. In other words, he would, all right, you know, Let's go down the games. Tell me what you, I had to tell him what I, you know, what I liked, obviously, but he would give me 10,000 on, on any line that was on the screen. Beautiful. So, you know, and, and you, 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 you could bet a lot of money in Vegas back then a lot. He was running Caesars. He wasn't afraid to gamble. And, and Mitch, Mr. Vaccaro was at the Mirage and he wasn't afraid to gamble. You, you could bet. And we would run around town. Like, and, and there was no, you know, uh, People really didn't care when stuff moved in Vegas. Eventually, I hired somebody to do it for me because it just got to be too much. I, I couldn't spend that much time running around town, but we got down a lot of money in Las Vegas. And I now, had a couple of private guys that, that, that I could bet quite a bit with. We had no problem getting down. There okay, were some very, very big BMs back then. College basketball, what was your typical bet size, if you don't mind me asking, back then? Midnight. It we're talking. What year you're talking. <laughs> let's talk. Well, so, so, like, let's just say, like, midnight when you were on your own, mid to late '90s, I guess, early 2000s. Is that where we're uh, talking? I mean, two thousand two, the year two, right before the year, uh, the odds uh, was written. Yeah, that was 1999 is when it came to uh, Old Orchard Beach to talk to me. Uh, that year, 99, 2000, or yeah, I, I we we absolutely had a we had a total home run year. Uh, I, I remember. Uh, <laughs> so how yeah, much a game uh, how much a game typical average let's see if it wasn't if it was just a regular bet yeah 
we probably had 40,000 between three of us. Gotcha. So 13,000 each. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy, you know, considering (laughs) it's considering where I'm at now. It's, it's, it's completely nuts. It was fun. My proudest moment was, Mm. and again, this is, this is before it became the, the, the billion dollar business where, you know, the game hadn't changed yet. And I remember NC State was home to Georgia Tech. And uh, Herb Sendek was at NC State then. And Bobby Kremens was at Georgia Tech. And I'm, I'm big on coaching. I think coaches, uh, especially back then when it was a 45-second clock and not a 35-second clock or a 30-second clock, whatever the hell they use now, 30, right? Uh, just, you know, I'm not going to get into that, but, but the whole thing's ridiculous. Uh, this was a game NC State was going to win. Like, this was their NCAA game. It was a complete coaching mismatch, and I just knew NC State was going to win this game. But I made the game three, and the game was like two. And I, I wanted to get three because I made it three. I have to get three to make it worth it. But I knew they were going to win this game. Like, but my power rating was three. So in my eyes, in order to make it fair with whatever my guts or whatever reasoning I had, we had to get three. And I went out and started laying all the twos, hoping that it would just go to three on its own, but it didn't. So now I laid all the two and a halves and we had 72,000 on the wrong side. Now my partner is, is not <laughs> this, this craziness kind of started because he's kind of a, you know, he's a grinder and, and I'm obviously not. And one day he, he, uh, he's a, a, a bridge pro. So he was off playing bridge and I handled the betting that day. Well, needless to say, the uh, betting escalated quite a bit that day. So when he called and asked what we had, I said, listen, are you sitting down? He said, you're chef, sure. And I told him, well, we got, you know, whatever on this and whatever on this. And he didn't flinch. God bless him. Like he didn't flinch. Didn't say a word. Like inside he was probably like, what the fuck? But, but we had a good day that day. So, you know, it was just uh, Katie by the door after that. So here we are, we have 72,000 on the wrong side. So I called my friend Oscar. I said, See what you can get me on uh, Georgia Tech plus three. I mean, NC State plus three. And he called back about 15 minutes later. He said, you got 117,000 on it. I said, what? Oh, my God. <laughs> Didn't touch the screen, by the way. Yeah, he. there were some guys you could bet a lot of money with back this then. Is college said, hoops. This is Oscar college hoops? College hoops. He came back with 117,000. Didn't touch the screen. Said, if you need more, I can get you more. I said, no, that'll work. <laughs> and then shit. I sent my guy around Vegas and we took care of our private guys. And, you know, we had, you know, probably, uh, I don't know what we had on the right side, but you know, so close somewhere close to a hundred, which is, you know, more than we've ever bet on anything. I mean, I wasn't a complete fucking psychopath, but you know, that's 30 something thousand on the, each on the game. Like that's, uh, that'll work. Wow. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, they, and, and, and by the way, Mr. Walters ended up coming in on NC state. So the game closed NC state favored, but, and I, 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 I remember I told him years later, I said, you know, the one, the one attempt I made at being you, you could have helped me out and didn't like the game's going up and, and you didn't, you could, you chose not to push it up. Like that was really discouraging, but it worked out because we got our bed in before he came in and took care of the rest. But I was glad to have helped him because he was able to take, you know, two and a half and two, and uh, uh, because I had shoved it up from two to three and it only went back to two and a half when we were done betting. So there's an example of, 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 of how you'd want to approach it. If you were, a, if you were a really good handicapper, 
the game's two, now it's two and a half, but I took three for my bet. Right? No one knows. The game went up, but the game actually, I'm actually on the side against that that, that moved. Uh, and, and, you know, no one cared what I bet. It wasn't like when Mr. Walters bet and the screen would go haywire, you know, everyone would just start falling because he was the man, you know? And, and, you know, there's always like a, now it's more like there's a flavor of the month. Like there's one crew that's betting early now that that's killing it, but it's only because they're betting first. It's not because they're geniuses. They are very good, but I have no idea who they are, but they started betting a little bit later, which is good. Cause now we have a chance to, to make our bets. Anyway, uh, I'm getting ahead of myself, but that was, that was my one uh, good story I have from, uh, and it's somewhere on YouTube of the biggest bet I made, which I'm not going to repeat. It's, it's on YouTube. It's uh, on the on the cutting floor from uh, the best of it, the movie, the documentary I was in. No, let, let's get to the point where you wind up uh, cutting ties with Billy and, and not not uh, quitting him. I'm having I'm up in Old Orchard Beach, Maine. I'm 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 actually on a date, which is very rare for me. And I remember uh, uh, Mindy after dinner. Uh, said to me, uh, you know, we were just talking. And I said, boy, I'm dreading this football season. At this time, I was raising a kid. Uh, and I'm, I'm not, I don't want to get into this, but just I was, I was playing dad to a kid. And it's, it's a very, very long story. And it's, it's a very cool story. But I'm not, I'm not going into it. We'll be here all, all, all friggin' night. Uh, so I'm, I'm raising a kid who's not mine. And this is a very, very cool experience to me. And this is all new to me. I've really kept myself sheltered. I didn't want anyone in my life. Like, but now I have someone that matters. Uh, but anyway, so I told Mindy, I'm not looking forward to this football season, but you know, I got to start to work soon enough. And she said to me, well, do you need the money? And I said, yes and no, like I'm pretty comfortable, but you know, <laughs> I could always use more since I'm completely nuts with it. And she just said to me, you know, life is, life is short. And I smiled and said, thank you. And the next morning when I got home, I threw my entire football workout. This is somewhere around 2007, 8, 2006, somewhere on that area. And I called Mr. Walters that day and he said, well, Red, you're getting ready for football. And I said, Mr. Walters, I, I, I got to tell you the truth. I said, uh, I don't really think I could put in the energy and the effort that, that is warranted to, to get what you're giving me. So I think uh, I have to say thank you for some amazing years and thanks for always looking out for me. And, you know, I'll talk to you soon. He said, you're done. I said, I'm done. I said, I just don't think I could, I don't think I'm put, I can put in the, the time and energy uh, to make this right. Don't get me wrong. I could have done the work and maybe one, but it still wasn't ethical, you know, where he's given me such a, a, a strong deal and, you know, expects it, it, it would be expected that I'd be all in on it. You know, I'm not going to half heart something when someone's staking me. That's just not right. So, yeah, that's very honorable. And, that's very yeah, honorable. That's what he said. He said, I appreciate your honor. You're being honorable. And, but no, I mean, what else am I going to do? Half ass it and take the money. Half-ass and take the money is what other people no, say. No, 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 no. That, that you can't do. I understand. I, I, I'm with you. I'm not trying to. I'm, I'm just saying that, that some people just say he's, you know, listen. Yeah, I, I, I hope not. But, yeah, you can't do that. 
So did you ever work with him after that? Did you go back ever? Uh, no, but we talk all the time. Now, so it's crazy because you only worked with him one college basketball season, um, which I never, you know, I personally never knew. I always thought his, I didn't know who was college basketball, um, where he was getting it from, because I always thought, you know, somehow. Um, no, but the one year we worked together, I will say like uh, him and uh, him and his guy and my guy, uh, him and his guy and me were on the same sides almost every night. It was really, it was really kind of uh, chilling. It's almost like we're, you know, doing things the same. Except we weren't, because he's using a computer, and you know, I'm winging it. Amazing, <laughs> absolutely amazing. But you know, um, no, I did. I did a really good year that year. I remember. I, uh, I remember. I went to. He was at uh, Bally High Golf Course, and I remember I went there to settle up. And I brought my roommate, who was like, you know, six three, like, uh, you know, uh, and and no fat, and uh, you know, knew eighty seven forms of jujitsu. So, you know, we had plenty of protection from the uh, kind of it was there was still some uh, renegade to Las Vegas even in the mid 2000s it wasn't quite the corporate shithole that it is now uh, but I remember my mother and sister were visiting I wanted to make sure that they saw that I was okay and I you know I picked up this sack of money uh, <laughs> uh, this is like 2002 I believe something like that 2002 yeah I think it was I don't know why. I don't know how I ended up doing it with him, but but we did. And I think I gave. I I, I, I don't I don't know what I did with my partner, but anyway, uh, it was a, a one year hiatus from uh, my partnerships. So I want to talk uh, in uh, just, just so this you know. Listen, you've been you worked with Billy Walters. You did your own thing. Made a lot of money. You, you were you were involved in the game. Um, yeah, for you, sure. And and you said there was a time in which you realized the home court advantage wasn't there. The psychology. Six, six years ago, yeah. Six years ago, you come. Okay. Um, I want to talk about right around when the thirty-second clock came into being. I, I changed two things. I lowered my home court advantages, and I understood that with the thirty-second clock, there's more possessions than a thirty-five-second clock. It doesn't seem like much, but it's a lot. Like five seconds out of thirty-five is what? That's uh, a seventh, so it's uh, fourteen plus percent. So it's, it's quite a bit of a chop. Uh, so there's going to be quite a few more possessions, but there's still teams that want to play a little faster and teams that want to play a little slower. So I understood that a, a, if a team was a 15-point favorite that played, you know, like to play low games, you shouldn't be looking to bet them as a favorite. So I, you know, I, I kind of uh, wing that, as, as I like to say, into my handicapping. I, I understood when I was making a game that if Old Dominion was playing uh, anyone – and they were a 13-point favorite, you, you wouldn't want to lay 11, even though, you know, two points off is, is, is enough to, to, bet a, to bet a game. Uh, you might not want to bet them because they, they tend to play games in the 50s, and, you know, the, 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 the 13 points probably doesn't mean 13. It probably means something a little lower. Whereas a team like Marshall, who, you know, likes to ramp it up, if they're – 13 point favorite. And, and, and if, if I have them 13 and the line was 11, I'd, I'd want to lay it because they play high position games and 13 for them probably means a little bit more. Again, me just completely guessing as to what I, but I did, I did tweak those two things, uh, lowered the home courts and understood that pace of play with the bigger numbers matters. 
So a lot of the stuff that you described, a lot of the handicapping and a lot of the different things. It's all very I'm, simple. I'm surprised though you you don't bet totals. Explain. Never never did them before. So I have no under I have no idea how to create a, a power rating total. Gotcha. But you, you know guys that ramp it up, like you were saying, guys that slow I still down. don't know what the right price is. Gotcha. And there's a lot more to it than that. I mean, you can get so I mean a computer could could definitely make a total better than any human ever could. Yeah. Because you could you could you know, let's say a team typically hits 33% of their three-pointers and, and they're hitting 26% for the year. Well, you know, the obvious thing is they're probably going to get to 33% at some point. And are they shooting 26% because they played really good teams? Or are they just not hitting enough three-pointers? And a computer could figure all that out and, and understand that they're probably going to shoot, you know, X percentage against the following teams because they're going to tend towards, they're going to tend towards probably 35% threes. Because they're shooting 26, but they typically shoot 33 with these players. So a computer can handle all this. You could you could program a computer to, to do some crazy shit with totals, I would think. You know, I don't I don't know how it works totally, but you know So, it, so, it, so it, well, why can't the computer do the same thing with sides? Like what what in your mind, because it's again, again, it's fascinating. I talked to a programmer, he said what I do is way too personal to program. So I did try <laughs> to get this done. I'm not. I'm not an idiot. Like I know I'm a human being, and a computer's a computer, and I can't compete. Yeah. So that's what he said. It's too personal. Yeah. Because all these little inferences I take are are from reading a game story in a newspaper. Like that little eight zero run the team made, or the, the eight point game the team made between the ten minute mark and the five minute mark. To me, that's that that means everything. But how can a computer know that that means everything? That little run they made. It can't. Listen, I hate to say it, but I think you talked to the wrong program. I'm a programmer, so I'm just speaking out of the thing. I think that if you talk to the right guy and somebody picked oh, your brain. I, was not, I assure you it was not an idiot. No, I'm not saying we, it was we an talked idiot. For a long, we talked for a long time. I mean, it was this, you know, he, 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 that's what he concluded. He just, I don't think we can, you know, I think what you're, the way you're going to do it is going to be better than what, what anything I come up with. Amazing. And you're still winning so, till this day, so I think that's yeah. No, a, my work is my work's been amazing. I mean, I'd I'd like to I'd like to not lose every fucking game that goes in overtime, you know, with the underdog. But so <laughs> be it. I'd like to score the last the basket in the game, like just once. <laughs> no, I mean I've, I'm on permanent run bad, but you know, and 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 that's not that's not bullshit. Like you know, I actually keep track of this. You can't you can't delude yourself into thinking that you're just unlucky. Because that's not gonna that's not gonna uh, come out to a, a winning formula. So, you know, when I when I when I track how, how how good my work is, if you know I get four owed, six owed, eight owed, you know, eight games in a row to end the game when it's completely random, then you know I, I had a lot of good sides that just didn't win. I want to talk theoretically about closing line value. Okay. You know, it, it used to be well, a lot. To me, to me, it's going to be different than the rest of the world. Understood. The rest of the world, if you're first starting as a handicapper mm-hmm. or as someone who bets games or just a fan, if you lay three and the game closes anything higher than that, you've succeeded. I won't argue that. You've done the right thing. The market says the line should be higher, and you beat the closing line of the market, so you did well. And that's what you should strive for. That's a good check as to whether you're doing well or not. For me personally, I don't want to ever beat the closing line. Yeah. 
because if I always beat the closing line, it means I'm doing something that everyone else is doing and it's not sustainable. If I don't beat the closing line, obviously I'm winning. And I assure you, I am. I don't, you know, some people just make, make them a fucking dinosaur and, you know, it's just a name and um, it's all bullshit. That's not. I'm not a liar. I do beat this sport. And, but I, I want to, I want to take six and have the game close seven because that means I'm seeing something that everyone else is not. If I'm seeing something everyone else is not, I can do this the rest of my life and, and earn a good living. But if every time I lay three, the game closes six, well, you know, they're going to catch on as to, as to why they're wrong. And it, it, it's going to be very, very difficult to continue. The, the crew that is new this year to the, to, the, to the industry is very, very good. And they're betting a shit ton of sides that I like. And it's, it's kind of uh, eerie and, and, and not fun. Not fun for me to see. Histor- historically, again, historically, you said histor- you, know, you said you would rather take six and a half on a game that closes seven. However, historically speaking, that doesn't happen. Right, you you're always usually you're getting the best of the number, or at the no, worst case no. you're match, but or you're, at the worst case you're matching the number. You're going to take six no, and a half. No, no. Okay, but for the I most was all part, I went on Lafayette plus four the other day, close five and a half. No, I I and and I'm proud of I'm proud when a game goes like that. That's good for me. For reasons aforementioned, mentioned, that's good for me. That means I'm seeing something that they're not, and I'll be able to continue doing this because they're not going to change their their you know they might tweak their program, but it's probably not going to come up with whatever I did that was different. So, so what percentage of the games that you bet that you like are beating the closing line today? Of course, 25 years ago, 25 years ago, most of them did. Because the way, the way it's set up, the person that moves the money, bets very late. So I am basically betting after every other crew is done. So we're not influencing anything, you know, there's a huge market when we're betting and we're trying to hide it. So, you know, if the game moves a half a point, it does, but it's not not because I not because you know it, it's only because uh, the the number was was wasn't painted. If the game's painted five and I want to lay five, the game will be five, and we'll be down, and that's that's the goal all the time. So, so I, think- I have no idea how I'm beating the closing line or not. I mean, probably more often than not, yes, but it it really doesn't matter because until the last couple of days, this crew that was pounding all the games out, you know, had every, every game had virtually every game. I like that. So I'm either fighting a, a move with her on the other side, or um, I'm betting something that they left. And once again, you know, the market's so big that w- when we bet it's not going to budge. So I can't gauge it now, but I'll uh, back then. Yeah. Back then when Mr. You know, uh, doc Midland would bet in the morning and, and some other people who didn't matter would bet. And then, you know, I would bet in mid-afternoon and Mr. Walters would bet at night. Uh, I was almost always on the right side. Like like I said, Mr. Walters and I, uh, his, his guy and I were lined up a lot. But what was different back then is if I, let's say, you know, I like Auburn minus two against, uh, Arkansas minus two against Auburn. It was a game I actually remember from 20 years ago. Uh, I remember I laid two with Arkansas, Arkansas against Auburn, like big. And then the game went to two and a half in, in a lot of places because we bet it. And then it went back to two and all right, I know what's going on, but I had, you, you had respect for other people in the industry back then. And I'm not going to go out and lay two again because I know, but that's Mr. Walters trying to set the game up and bet it. So I'm not going to I'm not going to go get this way. You know, maybe we'll bet, a, you know, a few hundred dollars somewhere just to, just to get a little more on it. Cause we know we got it. We got the right side. 
Uh, so yeah, it, it, the industry has changed a lot in that regard. The, the, there's whores that just go out and as soon as the line opens, it, it's good for a thousand dollars and they'll bet it three times for Christ's sake. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like <laughs> bet the wrong way three times. If you're going to you have half a brain, but everyone's greedy. Everyone thinks they're going to miss something. And there's a lot of people who aren't, who haven't been in the, uh, in the game long and don't really understand, uh, markets and, and how you have to uh, manipulate markets sometimes to to gain advantages you have to give up a little bit to, to get a lot mm. it's all about big pictures it's not just short term all right let me go grab this 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 and this because that's not sustainable very well said you, you're, you're limiting yourself what you can get down and and you know you know the the games that you're stealing on shrink during the year like the lines get tighter and tighter and tighter and there's very few games you're stealing on. All I will say, the opening line the last couple of years has been much softer than it was, you know, 15, 20 years ago. That that might come as a surprise to people, but that that's fact. Chris's opening line has weakened in the last couple of years, which is good news because, you know, the opening game six and I have a pick and, and, you know, now the game's four and a half. I can still bet a lot of money on it. Like, mm. it's still a great bet, you know? So, uh, and that that's happened more than you think. Of course, as the season goes on, the lines tighten up. But you know, my line, my 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 power ratings tighten up too. So there, there's some mis. This is, let's talk about this. Is the misnomer that people think it's much easier to win at the beginning of the year? That's not quite true. Because even though, so at the beginning of the year, let's say it's the first week, I have a game eight, the game opens three. Well, of course, I'm unloading, right? And I'm probably going to win more often than not. But that same gap where I make a game eight and the game's three, if it's now February and I have a game four and the line's two, that's about the same. Because my power ratings are so solid by then that that four is pretty much etched in stone. Like I know that's the right line on the game. Whereas the eight is very, very iffy because it's the first week of the year. You know, how the fuck do I know what's going to happen? But, you know, I'm probably going to be right when I'm wrong. No, no argument there, but I'd rather lay two in February on a game I made four than lay three in, in, in November on a game I made eight. I think it's actually stronger. So th this idea that because the lines tighten up, it becomes tougher to win. That is not true. In fact, the year I won the most money, I was stuck in February. I remember that we won 1.2 million in November, which is just completely ridiculous because November's weren't that long back then. And then the second week of February, we were stuck 281,000. I remember the numbers like it was yesterday. And then we won virtually every game the rest of the year. It was, it was nuts. It was fun. Yeah, that was good. I love anyway, it. So there's uh yeah, there, I, I, you know, I, I've always been the kind of the iconoclast. I, I, I want, I want people to understand that there's, there's no rules that however you want to think about something it's okay. Mm. You know, just make sure it's accurate, mm. but Mickey Appleman, who's an old, old time handicapper, mm -hmm. he once told me that, you know, don't laugh at games that move because people will bet games for reasons you can never dream of. And that's when I was first starting. And I always remembered that. And I remember when I was the guy that would bet games that people would not for reasons that people wouldn't dream of. Who's who's betting a game because a team scored eight in a row with eight minutes to go in a game. You know, like that's like so out there. But to me, it wasn't. To me, it was just perfectly logical. And, you know, I had some other crazy angles that 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 actually worked back then that that, you know, wouldn't work anymore. But, you know, a lot of the psychology was 
sometimes pretty out there because I was just guessing on human emotion. Uh, but you know, it was fun. It was, it was, it was, it was, you know, 30 years ago it was young. I was trying to figure it all out. And you know, you the creativity part of your brain would, would just flourish. And, you know, I go eight and one, but I'd beat myself up over that one loss. What did I do wrong? And I try to think about it and try to correct it. You know, it's not about, it's not about the winners you pick. It's, it's about correcting the losers that you pick. Cause if you eliminate all the negative in your game, you're only left with either even or positive and you're going to win. So that's another good thing to try to think about, but that's probably uh, about as uh, against the grain stuff as I, I come up with for now. Well said. Yeah, Everything thanks. was great. I appreciate it, Alan. Um, in uh, there's so much more we could talk about. You know what I mean? That we, we're, we're just. But I, I really enjoyed everything that we, that we discussed today and your history in the game. Before we close, tell me about what you're doing today. Um, how's uh, you know, you know, you've been in the game for so long now pretty much almost 40 coming up on, on close to 40 years. Um, uh, I, I started in 89. So, it's, oh, okay. So it's 30, 30, 32 years, 30 years. But I'm still, I'm 63 years old. So I'm not a fucking kid, you know? Yeah. And well, I, I don't enjoy it anymore. How's that? I do it. I, I used to do it cause I loved it. Now I do it cause a living. Uh, unfortunately I got caught in that housing crunch and, uh, you know, I had a, I had a house that I, when I had that really good year, I bought, I bought a piece of land for 275,000. I remember I bought cash in. They said, what are you doing? I said, I'm paying for my piece of land at the title company. They said, well, normally people bring cashier's checks. I saw I'm bringing you fucking money. What, what don't you want money? Like, I didn't know you're supposed to bring a cashier check. What do I know? You yeah. know? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> so I built my own house there. And, and so, and you know, I paid cash for a lot of it to get good deals and to, and to get rid of the money. Cause I knew I'd squander it. So long story short, I had a house that I owed 700,000 on that was worth two years after I built it was worth 3 million on Zillow an hour going up. So Mr. Boston thinks he's going to retire like, you know, at around 50 to 55 because the, it, there was no end in sight for these houses going up in Vegas. Everyone was moving there and everyone's buying there and, and you couldn't keep a house. Uh, but I had a few years where I, you know, and by rough years, I mean, you know, I'd make a hundred thousand, but if you're spending 450,000 and you're making a hundred, the math's not good. And I'm a bit of a spendthrift. So, you know, even not having a good year, I, you know, making a hundred thousand, I would take that from, from, from when I was a kid, if I thought I was going to make a hundred thousand a year, I would think I was like, you know, God's gift. Uh, so, but you know, when you're, you know, completely crazy and, and don't have no regard for money and want to make sure everyone's that you know is, is comfortable, uh, you just spend it. So unbeknownst to me, my market, the house, my house is going down in value and I'm going through money like no tomorrow and the math just isn't good. So now I go to sell the house and, you know, I think the, the, my realtor and I, we, we looked around and there was, you know, 1.9 million looked like a good start, but we were way off. People suggested 1.5 and we didn't even get that. But then I had a couple of good years in a row. All right, let me keep going here and see if I can wait for the market to turn. I will say Mr. Walters told me to get rid of the house because it was eating me up. And, and of course he was right. I should have sold it long before I did. And long story short, I sold it for 1.05 million. <laughs> so, you know, I went from retiring to not having enough money to pay some people I owed. And, you know, so you, you, 
you can always try to be honorable, but sometimes circumstance doesn't allow it. And in this instance, I, I don't, I'm not, I don't feel proud of myself. I owe a couple of people some money and, and it's just, uh, it's going to be tough to, to get it all paid. You know, I'm going to need some really, uh, really good years here late in life in a, in a game that's very, very hard to beat. So, uh, you know, uh, my, uh, the, the long, the st- long story short here is if you're some kid listening to this and you have talent for this, <laughs> put some money away somewhere. Don't be an idiot like me. Uh, but I, I, I did get, I did get caught in, in, in something I didn't understand. I, I, you know, there was no way to know that the $3 million home was going to sell for 1.05 million, 10 years later. Like there's just no way to know that. Uh, but that's why I'm still doing this when I absolutely despise it because it, now it's a job and I need the money because I need to pay people. I need to pay these people back. And uh, that has to happen. I mean, if, if you're a gambler and you die owing someone money, that is just, uh, <laughs> that's just probably not a, a pleasant next existence. Great points. But, um, well, listen. Yeah, so what I do today is I, uh, I get up and I, uh, I send an order out after I think about, uh, I've made, I've made my line for tomorrow already. The lines are up. I won't look at it cause I can't bet them. So it doesn't matter. Uh, tomorrow morning, I'll take a look at it and, and start reading about some of the games that, you know, especially with COVID being so rampant and the stupid rules they have associated with it. And I won't get into that because this whole, this whole world is, is just completely bamboozled by something that's, that's not a big deal. Uh, they're scaring the crap out of people over something that's not a big deal. Like the Omicron is, uh, I know several people have gotten it. It's like getting a cold. So it's actually a good thing. It, I think Putin said it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a living vaccine. It's actually like a blessing. Because here's, here's a way to get COVID, get your own antibodies, which have, by all studies, shown to be more longer lasting and, and better than some vaccine. Uh, and we'd be done with it. But instead, the government, who probably all have stock in, in Pfizer and, and, and Johnson Johnson and, and Moderna, whatever the hell it's called, uh, they keep trying to shove boosters down our throats because the vaccine didn't, didn't stop it. So let's take boosters <laughs> that aren't designed for this variant. So they're not going to work either. But they'd be better off not getting any of that because if you just get the virus itself, you develop your own antibodies. And that, that is the way to get rid of corona. Anyway, that's my aside, or COVID, whatever it's called. Uh, that's my aside, and, and I've done way too much reading on this and, and gotten way too aggravated about it. But so COVID plays a big role in, in handicapping today. You have to try to, you know, read and find out if players are potentially out for a team and then be careful. Uh, so I do that. I go to the gym every day, 12 to 1. I have a personal trainer, and we're doing good with that. Like, I am look pretty good for a 63-year-old guy. Uh and, you're, in great, uh, you're in great shape. I, I just saw you recently. I want to also mention, I, I, you know, this is something that, you know, uh, um, you know, I, I want, you know, Matt Metcalf, who was at the Circo, who, who, who a mutual friend of ours, kind of was able to patch things between us. And I apologize for everything. I didn't realize how much of an honest guy you were. Um, and that's something that. I think well, is, I, I um, try to be. It doesn't mean I. Yeah, I don't. Well, sometimes, sometimes you're gonna come across that way. You well, no. So, some, sometimes, listen. Like you know, you, you told Billy, you told Billy Walters, uh, you're a greedy, arrogant prick, whatever the hell you said, or condescending. You know, you're uh, a you condescending know, asshole. But condescending I was wrong, asshole. But, but that's no, but like, 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 the first time. So the, 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 you, you, um, you're just not a. You know, there's no filter with you, and that's what you know. Listen, everybody. Uh, I'm not saying there's wrong or right and everything. Like where we were at, when we had lunch. And um, it's like I, I, you know what I mean. It's fine. Like you know, I, I think it's a good story to tell real quick. We had lunch, and um, 
and you ordered a salad and um, we were up uh, in Rhode Island and, and I ordered an, a nice lobster roll and the, the waitress asked me, you want fries or a salad? And I thought about it and I said, you know what, I'll take a salad. And right away you said, you don't have to order healthy on account of me. And, <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? Al? I, you know, I, do I look like a kind of guy that doesn't like to have a salad? And you said, actually, you don't. And, um, <laughs> and it was just like, boom, you know what I mean? It was the nicest way of, you know, saying I was uh, out of shape or I wasn't in the best of shape. And, I didn't, and then I realized. It's, it's, I it doesn't matter. It really doesn't no, matter. It's, no, no, it's of people's course. choice. What difference does it make if you're in shape or out of shape? It doesn't, doesn't mean no, you're a I bad person that, or a but, good person. But, but no, of course not. But, but I'm just yeah. saying this is how you are. And, and, and I appreciate it. Yeah, I don't know any other way to, to, to be honest, you know. No, no I, I understand I, that. I, I, There's no filter. There's no filter. You just, you, you know, something, when you have it, you know, you just went on the whole COVID thing, which is fine. There's no filter. You speak your mind. And you know what? I, I would, listen, I, I, sometimes there, there, there's something to be said for saying, you know what? If you don't have something nice to say, maybe don't say it at all. But it's okay. You Speak your mind, and you know what? I appreciate it. I now understand it. I didn't understand it's it. Not, it's not meant to be mean-spirited. Of course not. A hundred percent. Because you would also say great things or nice things, and, and you don't always just right. say Right, I'm glad things. you understood that, because some people missed that part of it. Oh, no, no. You say nice I'm things. Un, I'm actually unrelentingly positive of other people and completely abusive of myself so 100 100 percent. you say nice things you say but you, you just say things and 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 that's fine and i've i've and now that i've understood that and accepted that i appreciate it i know that you will never feed me a bullshit line and that's not you you're not a bull you're a straight shooter and for that i appreciate it and i value um getting to know you better and um and i and I, I, I was sick during lunch but i appreciate you getting me home i probably no. wouldn't have made it if i drove don't don't, oh, don't worry about it, pal. Don't worry about it. Everything's great. So, um, you know, and and and, and thank you so, so much. We're for, hoping for we're hoping that uh, we uh, to wrap this up. Uh, we're hoping uh, to do bet bash in March, April. Yeah, April. 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 Yeah. Oh, it's April. Wow. It's final four weekend. Oh, it's final the first, four. Right, 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 yeah. right. It's March 14th, 21st, 28th. That's the final. Oh yeah, final four. Okay. Yeah, final four is April second, well, around there. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping to. Uh, to uh, host the movie California split sometime before that. And uh, I'm just throwing that out there in case someone's listening. And uh, okay. I, you can go I, ahead. I'll like let you, I'll, I'll, yeah, why don't you talk about that? California split is a movie um, that you, that it's your favorite gambling movie of all time. Go ahead. Talk well, about it's, it. It's far away. I don't want to say too much because I want to show it and host it and talk yeah, about yeah. it. But okay. So that's it's good. So it's a movie. The most gambling movie ever made. It's like not even close. Robert Altman, 1974. I did see it when I was 16. I didn't get it. But when I saw it later in life, it, it, it totally resonated. And uh, 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 Elliot Gould and George Siegel play two uh, degenerate gamblers, one who kind of has a normal life and one who doesn't. And, and I'll, I'll just stop there. It's in my uh, top 10 of all time, maybe my top five of all time. I don't know. On letterbox.com, I have my top 30 movies of all time on there uh, listed. Uh, but I've always wanted to allow this generation of gamblers or even the last generation of gamblers to see this movie because not everyone has seen California split and people talk about some of this garbage that's been put out and saying how wonderful it is as a gambling movie, but it didn't really get at the essence of what might trigger uh, a degenerate gambler or someone who got into gambling for, to mask some other reasons or, you know, it really gets it at why people turn to gambling and, 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 and what the end result could be. And it's, it's just a, an amazing movie. 
it's brilliant. It's brilliant in every way, shape, form, and manner. Uh, the music's great. The, the, the jokes are great. And the, 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 the seemingly, uh, uh, it, it seems like there's a lot of, uh, like just on the fly talking like they're, they're just winging it, uh, but they're not. It's, it's just a, an amazing uh, piece of cinema that I'd love to uh, introduce and then have a Q&A after. And, and of course, uh, depending on what, when we do it, I'm hoping that maybe we could do it even, I guess the first week of the NCAA tournament wouldn't make sense because it'd just be too busy, but maybe the, that lull between the first weekend and the second weekend, one of those Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesdays, yep. uh, then I could go over the Sweet 16 games. We can have a Q&A uh, and talk about all the Sweet 16 games and and uh, and make it awesome. like a combo thing like that. So I guess that'll be the Beautiful. plan. Beautiful. So if you guys get out early to Bet Bash, um, I guess Alan and, and we'll be, and then you're, you're coordinating this with Matt Metcalf at the circuit. Right. And um, you're promoting stuff. it, so. Beautiful. Awesome. Awesome, brother. Promoter. Uh, sure. Yeah, I, I, that's fine. I'll, I'll help you promote it. No big deal. Let's close it off. Alan, the name of this podcast is called Be Better Betters. I always ask everybody that comes on, and you've given a lot of great advice here and um, great, you know, there's a lot of people aspiring betters. Some people want to be pro, semi-pro. Some people want to put a little extra money in their pocket. They want to become better betters. If there's one piece of advice you could give an aspiring better out there um, that's listening to this, what would that be? Well, win this Alabama State endgame, that would be good. I laid seven and a half. They're up nine with 22 seconds to go. So completely random, of course. But you, you have to win some of these games. Uh, the one piece of advice I would give uh, to any better is, number one, don't don't get involved. That's first. But if you do feel like betting, <laughs> pick a sport. I'm serious. Dead serious. It's, it's, it's way too much work for way too little return. And you, you, it, you have to be someone who's really willing to go way outside the box because a lot of these programs are very similar, I think, and – a lot of people come up with the same sides. And like I said, that's not sustainable. It just becomes a, a, a shit match as to who, who could bet first. And if you're trying to bet first, you're probably not going to bet enough to, to make it worth your while. So, I mean, you got to bet a lot. Your edges are very, very small in this stuff. Uh, and of course they hit a three pointer in Mississippi Valley. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, the one thing I've always advised the amateur or the beginner is to pick the sport that they know best. And I mean, just one sport. This is, this is how you start. Uh, and people have abused me for this because they think I'm just crazy, but I'm probably smarter than they are and probably am right more often than they are. So, you know, fuck them. Uh, <laughs> I talk about my gut and winging it. That's what you do. If you're an NFL fan and you're looking at Sunday's card or Saturday's card or whenever they play uh, and you see Cleveland's uh, at Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh's three and your, your instinct is that that line is just too high. Well, then bet Cleveland plus three or Pittsburgh plus three, whoever the dog is, Cleveland plus three, I guess it is. Yeah, just bet it. Don't question it. If you feel you know anything at all about sports, if you think you're in tune with it, Maybe you're a UFC fan. Look at the line and react to it. Don't start reading everything. Do the opposite of what you think is right. Don't research it. Just completely wing it. If you have knowledge, that instinct part of your body, of your, of your brain, that uh, your instinct part of your intelligence is the highest level that you can achieve. That's why I'd love to trust mine more. If you play center field, the ball, the, ball, the pitcher throws, the batter hits it, 
you don't calculate the, how fast it's coming off the bat or the angle it came off the bat. You just go and catch the ball. There's no thought, no nothing. You just go. In fact, you go instantly. Your instinct tells you exactly where that ball is going to. And since I did play center field, I, I know that to be true. And the same thing happens in sports betting or in other parts of life. And trusting it is very, very hard because sometimes you don't need, like I said, I can't verbalize what my gut's telling me sometimes. But if you feel you have knowledge of any sport, look at the line and just react to it. And sometimes you're not going to react. Sometimes it's going to be, all right, that feels right. Or sometimes, and it's rare, you're going to say, you know what? And this is a great line from the great movie Used Cars. Well, that's just too fucking high. And when it's just too fucking high, you bet that underdog and you do it with confidence. And I think you'll win. That's it. Got to go with your instincts. Alan Boston, who's been relying on his instincts for 30 plus years to be uh, one of the best betters out there. And um, Alan, I really appreciate it. Of course, they hit another three and the game fell seven. I mean, this is unbelievable. This is this has been the story of my fucking life for so long. Alan, you're the best man. Holy, yeah. this is great. Alan, don't worry about it. Just one game. But you know what? You went with, you go with your instincts and everything's going to be I made fun. the game 11 and a half. There was no instinct. They're two, they're top oh, two scores that wasn't off, an instinct. I, I, the top two scores were off for Alabama State, so everyone thought that meant a lot. Of course, it didn't. They had them pretty much blown out the whole game. Anyway. Well, listen, go, the, the, the advice is go with your instincts, and that's that. Hey, that's Alan, it. thank you so much. Thanks so much for the time. Until Cheers. next time.